ready? Yeshua the Messiah, the light of the world. Amen. Amen. And now the Kiddush, blessing over the cup. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Borei pri hagahafen, Amen. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Amen. Amen. And now the blessing over the bread. Hamotzi lechem min haaretz, we give thanks to God for bread. Our voices rise in song together, as our joyful prayer is said. Baruch atarunai, Eloheinu melech olam, hamotzi lechem min haaretz, amen. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from out of the earth. Amen. Amen. All of that. <laughs> now, husbands, if you will bless your wives. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful wife that you've given me. And Father, we thank you and I pour out a blessing upon all the wives on this Sabbath day. I pray that you bless her, strengthen her, and encourage her as she rises in the night to see about the ways of the household. And I pray that you strengthen her as she teaches and educates our children. Father, I pray that you pour out your very best blessing upon her and that you would encourage her in everything that she does. Let her know how worthy of praise and honor that she is. And Father, I confess with all of my heart that I love her and I thank you, Lord, for her. We also bless all of the widows and orphans, those without a father or a husband at this time as well. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. All right, now let's bless our sons. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may you be as Ephraim and Manasseh. Amen. 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 Let's bless our daughters. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may you be as Ruth and as Esther. Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom. Please join us for the Baruchu, the call to worship. Baruchu et Aronai Hamvorach, Baruch Aronai Hamvorach Leolam Vaed. Bless the Lord who is to be praised. Blessed be the Lord who is praised for all eternity. Amen. And now the Michamocha. Michamocha. Ba'eli Madonai Michamocha Nedar Bakodesh Norate Hilot 
Blessing of Messiah. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher natan lanu et derech haYeshua b'Mashiach Yeshua. Altogether, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us the way of salvation in Messiah Yeshua. Amen. And now the Vishamru. Vishamru v'nei Yisrael et Hashabbat la'asot et Hashabbat la'doratam berit olam b'nei Ovayan b'nei Yisrael oti le'olam. Keshishet yamin asa aronai et hashmayim va et haralets uvayom hashvi'i shvat vayinefash. Altogether, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath and observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he ceased from work and was refreshed. Amen. And now the Shema. If you would all turn and face east toward Jerusalem for the watchword of our faith, the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kevod Malchuto, Le'olam va'ed Yeshua HaMashiach Hu Adonai Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be His name, whose glorious kingdom is forever and ever. Yeshua the Messiah, He is Lord. Amen. And now the Ve'ahavta. Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elochecha. Bechol levavcha, uvchol nafshecha, uvchol meyodecha. Vahayu hadevarim ha'alei asher anochi mitzavcha hayom al levavcha. Vashinantam levanecha, vidibartabam, vashivtacha, babethcha, uvlechtecha, viderech, uvshuchbecha, uvkumicha. Ukshartam leot al yedecha, vahayu letotafot benanecha. Uktaftam al mezuzot betecha uvisharecha. Altogether, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall speak of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be for frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. Amen. My mind to Calvary, where Yeshua bled and died for me. 
Shalom. This Sabbath, uh, we are in the midst of the final turn of the year, and uh, Sukkot and all of the activities that are taking place, and we have the final portion uh, from the Torah uh, in the annual teaching of the Torah. The final portion of the Torah, it comes to us in Deuteronomy and chapter 33, and it is the final words of Moses, and it is the explanation of what happened to Moses and essentially his passing and Joshua taking the responsibility for the leadership of Israel. And in fact, the Haftor portion is the very first chapter of uh, Joshua, uh, where Joshua makes a transition. Let me read to you briefly from uh, Deuteronomy 33 as our portion begins. Now, this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. And what follows is something similar that Moses does with the tribes that Jacob did with his sons. One of the last things that Jacob did with his sons was go through the listing of each of his sons and pronouncing a blessing upon them. And they, uh, Jacob even made the statement to the effect that these blessings not only are blessings upon you, but they're things to come in your life. And by the way, a, a true blessing, if it's being given to you, it, it has a lot to say about your future. You know, if, if somebody blesses you that you're going to be successful in business, well, that means in the future your business is going to do well. Uh, kind of thing. And so blessings always speak to the future, speak to hope and uh, the good things for something better than what is today. So just like Jacob blessed the sons, Moses is now blessing the tribes uh, specifically. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details of which tribes were mentioned in what form and which tribes weren't mentioned or whatever. There's just a couple of things that I want you to uh, take note of uh, here for it. And um, since I'm, my last name is Judah, let me start with the tribe of Judah. In verse 7, it says this, and this regarding Judah. So he said, hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah and bring him to his people. With his hands he contended for them, and thou mayest be a help against his adversaries. And it's addressing the fact that the tribe of Judah would become the predominant tribe that would be about warfare. The kings uh, of Israel, particularly the kings of Judah, 
were the kings that led Israel in the in the con- uh, the the battles that were uh, all throughout the scripture. Not the least of which is um, King David. And King David is a symbol of the Messiah. That was his dominant role. Uh, you know, is to the conquest of the land, the capture of the land. By the way, I know a lot of Christians don't think of this very much, but Yeshua, when he first came, he did came to do the work of a priest. He came to do the work of a sacrifice. He didn't come to be a warrior king. He wasn't walking around with a sword, riding around on a white horse. Wait till he comes the second time. Wait till he comes the second time. Because that's exactly how you're going to see him. His eyes will be a fire. Out of his mouth will come forth a sword that will destroy his enemies. And he's going to tread the fierce winepress of the wrath of God. That's exactly what the scripture says about Jesus. Only he's Messiah King at that point. And a lot of times in us developing our relationship with the Messiah, I think it would be remiss on our part if we don't take it all in as to who he really is. I think if we isolate one aspect of who the Messiah is and say, hey, you know, we, we know the Messiah, we know, you know, we're, we have a relationship with the Messiah, and we don't recognize some of the other parts of the Messiah, I think is a huge mistake. Not only this one that I've given here about he came like a lamb, the next time he comes like a lion, okay, we need to take that all into account. But there's another one that I think is worthwhile. And that is that, um, you know, when the Messiah came, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. How many Christians realize that was Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, that was giving the commandments at Mount Sinai? Because he was. Now, if all of a sudden we could recognize that Jesus is the one who gave the commandments of Mount Sinai, and we are all followers of Jesus, maybe we should pay a little closer attention to that. Because a lot of Christians, in their definition of Jesus and the Messiah, they dismiss that. They, they move that into history. They don't want to deal with that anymore. And then they have this little snapshot in time right now, and they are failing to understand where he came from and what's going to be happening in the future. They just are dealing with him right now. And right now, I just see him as a sugar daddy God who's giving me blessings and forgiving me of my sins and giving me the promise of eternal life. And it, boy, that's it. That's the whole, I, I have a relationship with God. No, you really don't. You have a relationship with one part of God. And the problem is, is that we got to deal with all of God just like God deals with all of us. We've got to deal with all of him. Part of what Moses is doing here with these blessings, and by the way, as you read these blessings, sometimes these blessings don't sound so much like a blessing. They almost sound like a curse. It's because it's the reality. It's the spiritual reality. And for us to be mature 
and honest in our relationship with the Lord, we have to get some spiritual reality to it. And that's what Moses is trying to give with the tribes. Need to give you guys a dose of reality. Well, because it's spoken in the form of a blessing when he does it, uh, to encourage them, to edify them, and to build them up. The, uh, I, I will mention this one thing here. Uh, the tribe of Simeon is not mentioned here. And I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I can't project what Moses didn't say himself. I can't project and say, well, Moses didn't do that because of the following reason. But what I can do is I can hint and allude to the fact that the tribe of Simeon was an interesting tribe within Israel. Of all of the different tribes with all of their weaknesses and, and so forth, Simeon was the one who did, wasn't really that cohesive amongst themselves. They, they joined in with others. Simeon joined in with Levi in destroying the men of Shechem. Simeon will join in with Judah to help out with it. Simeon wasn't the one. He was the one who didn't want to join with Reuben, and, and he said, let's kill Joseph. When they took him captive and sold him to the Egyptians, Simeon is the one that said, no, let's kill him. And Joseph, if you recall, took Simeon and he imprisoned him in Egypt while his brothers went back for a while. And when they came back, well, then he was released. And Simeon is kind of an interesting character. And Moses doesn't mention him by name here in these blessings. Now, we believe that Simeon is still in there. He's still being blessed because the, the manner of things that are being said here, some of it being put on other tribes, still is going to benefit Simeon and, and so forth. And by the way, that's another thing that I should share with you about blessings. Uh, blessings um, not only are individualized, but blessings are also collective. Um, let's say that you have a family, and we have this person who's in a position to offer blessing. If he gives blessing to the father, well, you do know the whole family is going to benefit from that. It's not just that man. And even if a blessing is extended to one of the children, it still has a residual benefit to the whole family. The, the parents, for example, are, are warmed by the blessing that came upon their child. And so this is what we call a collective blessing. A lot of what Moses is doing here, he's giving a gigantic collective blessing to all of Israel uh, for this. And, uh, but let me bring you down now, down to the last part in which that Moses is going to pass. And, um, let me take you to the, um, the final words here of the Torah, uh, verse five. So Moses, the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Moses didn't write those words. Moses didn't write those words. Those, we believe those words were actually written by Joshua. So Joshua is writing the final words of the Torah. Isn't that interesting? And he goes on to say this, verse 6, And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no man knows his burial place to this day. 
And although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eyes were not dim nor his vigor abated. So the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent to him performing the land of Egypt against Pharaoh, all his servants and all his land, and for all of the mighty power and for all of the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. One of the, there's a little bit of a eulogy here for Moses, and it's the benefit of Joshua. Joshua was the servant of Moses for many years. In fact, in, in the wilderness, he was his like right-hand man. And so Joshua is well, um, very qualified to give us a eulogy and to explain about Moses. And I think one of the things that comes through this, in this eulogy that we should take note of, Joshua understood the job that Moses did in leadership of Israel, the loneliness that was associated with that job. I shared this word picture with people who become leaders in the faith that like Moses who used to climb up on the mountain and go see the Lord, as you rise in leadership, spiritual leadership over a group of people, a congregation or whatever, it's like climbing the mountain. So a couple of facts about climbing mountains. Uh, the higher you get on the mountain, the less and less landscape there is available. Fewer and fewer people around you. In fact, when you start climbing up toward the top, it's only a handful of people at best. When you get all the way to the top, if you're successful getting all the way to the top, there's no landscape left. It's just you and heaven. It's just you and God. And there's a loneliness dimension associated with you're not with people anymore. You're not with your brothers anymore. You're just with the Lord. Now, it's a desirable thing to be with the Lord. Don't misunderstand me and so forth. But there's a lot of people in rising up in leadership, they begin to suddenly understand this. And they don't want to be lonely. And so that's part of the reason why certain ones will rise to a certain stature and they'll stop rising. They, they don't want to leave their friends. They, they want to maintain that camaraderie and that fellowship that they have. And they don't want to go up higher. They don't want to, they don't want to get lonely. Because leadership is loneliness if you climb all the way to the top. And part of the language here is speaking to that. Um, it says, um, his eye was not dim nor his vigor abated. He, he was still energized and he could still see pretty good. I'm, I'm not sure I can say that of myself, so don't call me Moses anymore. I, I don't match Moses with regard to this. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. The Jewish people um, do not, they're not comfortable with anybody 
praising Moses. Now, there's here we're sitting with, and we're talking about Moses, this last little part. They will read this part, but that's it. Don't talk about Moses anymore. And it's not that they don't want to pay attention to what Moses said. It's that they feel that they're putting too much attention on Moses, that it's detracting from their respect and awe for God. Um, I disagree completely with that concept and the idea that Judaism has in that regard. I believe it's very appropriate to recognize the efforts of other godly men and people who have served uh, the brethren and served the Lord. Now, we don't need to go through and do a parade of heroes or any of that kind of stuff. What I'm talking about is taking the steps to willfully not recognize. And in the case of Judaism, they willfully don't want to recognize Moses. In other words, if you, you go up and you say, well, the Torah says, nobody would dare say in Judaism, they would say, well, Moses taught. That's, that's giving too much attribution to Moses in, in their estimation. But elsewhere in Scripture, by the way, the Messiah doesn't have a problem recommending and commenting on Moses or any of the other prophets, for that matter, and gives attribution to those that were part of the process. And, and, and what's really ironic, it was Yeshua that gave some of that stuff to Moses, and he still gives attribution to Moses. But it was Moses who carried it to the people, you know, for their benefit for it. So we have this transition of power from Moses now to Joshua. And Joshua is the author of the final words of the Torah at this point. Which brings us to our Haftorah portion, the final Haftorah portion that goes with the final portion of the Torah. And in your Bible, as you finish Deuteronomy 33, you're going to go right to the book of Joshua. And Joshua chapter 1 is our Haftorah portion. Having read the conclusion to the Torah, let me read the opening words of Joshua. Now, it came about after the death of Moses. See, they're connected. The servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, servant, see, Joshua's calling himself Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise, cross this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your feet treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. By the way, that is the description of the entire Middle East, from the um, Euphrates River all the way over to the Mediterranean Sea, all the way up into the land of Turkey. God, that's his definition of the promised land. And that was what was being given to Joshua. Wherever your foot walks in this area, that, that's the land that belongs to you. Now, one of the problems is, can you hold it, though? Maybe that's the one that was given to you, but can you hold it? Well, that's based on your army and how you get along with the other people. Uh, verse, <clears throat> verse 5, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've seen been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Oh, I, I love these words. 
This is the great mantra of God when he speaks to his believers. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. I will be with you. Um, very powerful words, you know, for us in our confidence toward God. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. What's fascinating is this is the exhortation being given to Joshua as he's going to take the children of Israel into the land. That's the same exhortation that you and I need for the end of the ages when we get ready to go to the promised land, the messianic age. We need to hear these same words because we have the same issues in transitioning into the messianic kingdom as the children of Israel did transitioning into the promised land. Uh, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn away from it to the right or to the left, that you may have success wherever you go. Now, here is an ironclad principle. This is a drosh principle that you can extrapolate from the Bible. If you obey the commandments of God as given by Moses, your life will have success. If, however, you veer to the left or veer to the right, and let me go ahead and add my commentary, if you become liberal or you become ultra-conservative and you get off the path of the commandments of God, you will not have good success. The path that we're to follow is what did the Lord say? The commandments of God. That is success. So while I have a lot of conservative friends and I have a lot of concerns about liberals, the fact of the matter is the path that we are to be walking on is the one that Moses instructed. And that means there may be times when ultra-conservatives are going to say stuff, and I'm going to say, no, I don't agree with that. Even though, as for the most part, I favor conservative thought as opposed to liberal thought. So here's the commentary right here. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Just follow exactly what the Lord has said. Verse 8, I don't know if, if you've committed this verse to your memory or if you've ever heard this verse before. Most people have. It says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you may make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. When I first heard this verse, you know what the people told me was? They were referring to the book as being the whole Bible. And then when I got in with the Christians, then they said, well, the book is the New Testament. Oh, if you keep the New Testament, you'll have good success, you'll have, and so forth. That's not what it said. What it said was the first five books, which is the Torah, the books of the law the law of Moses. If you follow what the law of Moses says, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. 
If I study the book of Joshua, but I have not studied the Torah, I will not make my way prosperous, and I will not have good success. If I study only the New Testament, I don't get this promise. I get this promise by studying Torah and what Moses taught. And the language here that Joshua is giving is that this is what God told Moses, and Moses told us, and if you want to have good success from God, then follow what God told Moses, who told you. No, we have lots of substitutions. We have lots of different people that want to provide you a whole different way of path of success. Can I just take a side point here for a moment, just, to, just as a parallelism? You know, I watch TV frequently and the news and other things, and you cannot believe the number of advertisements that are out in the airways all about how to lose weight. It's like a huge industry around the world. A lot of Americans, and myself included, are overweight. So it's a need. And so everybody wants to uh, figure out how, how can we do it. And some people, are they got a pill some people have got this little plan thing, and they give you a little diet thing, and and so with, and they're giving you, you know, you know what the the the, you know what the solution is. But for weight, eat less food. Does anybody say that? No, not really. Some of these diet plans kind of constrict the amount of food you get. But why don't we just say eat less food? Have a smaller portion. Don't eat as much. That's how you lose weight. By the way, how are you going to have good success in your life? Oh, got to go to church. Got to go to my Bible study. Got to be a member of my class. Uh, blah, blah, blah. You need to be under my instruction. No, how about obey the Lord? Eat less food. Just obey the Lord. It's too simple. I know it's hard. It's too simple. But that's the truth. That's how things really, really work. So here we are at the conclusion of our Torah portion for um, this year. We've gone through the Torah cycle. The Torah began with God creating the heavens and the earth and, give, and blessing everything. The Torah concludes with Moses blessing the children of Israel and concludes with a recognition of all the work that Moses did for us. It would be a shame. It would be a tragic shame if we missed out on the blessings that God gave to us and we didn't get the benefit of the blessings and that we didn't listen to the instruction that God gave to us. But I want to commend you that have been a part of this Torah study and this we and will continue on into the next year. Continue to follow the Torah cycle, continue to be refreshed and made new. It is the path to having a prosperous life and having good success. It's that simple. Shabbat Shalom to all of you. Yivrechecha Adonai
May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Shalom. Shalom.